Hello, everyone, and welcome to the City Baptist Church podcast, where it's our desire to help you find and follow Jesus. Our message today is from our current teaching series called Strangers and Pilgrims, uh, where we're going through the book of 1 Peter and just pulling out truth from the passages and seeing how they can apply in our lives today. Uh, we hope that the message is an encouragement to you and a blessing and just really something to aid you in your walk with God. 1 Peter chapter 4 is we're continuing our verse-by-verse study through the book of First Peter. Now, if you remember the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about the subject of trials. We've been talking about persecution that comes. And of course, the context of this passage is the fact alone that these individuals, these scattered pilgrims and strangers uh, that Peter is writing to are people who were literally facing persecution, maybe like no other group of Christians had ever faced. Not only that, of course, there's just the general trials and difficulties of life that come uh, to all of us. And so he's been challenging them and helping them to keep their focus in the right place, where it needs to be during trials. Now, at this point of Peter's writing, it's about AD 63, AD 64. And in fact, persecution had begun, but persecution was about to take a whole nother level for them as Peter, living in the heart of pagan Rome, was seeing uh, the, the steps that were being taken which would soon result in the first and really major persecution of the Christians by Emperor Nero himself. Now Peter, as he's writing this, is literally months away from his own martyrdom for his faith, and for sure he was seeing the coming persecution that was about to be unleashed. That's why he spent these last few chapters that we've been studying together, these last few verses together, he's been spending them on dealing with the subject of how we walk through trials, how we suffer difficulty, how we suffer even persecution for our faith with joy and the fact that uh, we can actually follow God still even in the middle of, uh, middle of great difficulty. And so that's really what he's been talking about and what the focus has been has been for us on walking through trials with joy and still following after the Lord. But Peter's going to take it a little bit of a different direction now. And this is today, there's a little bit of a twist again. Remember, Peter's kind of like the ADHD writer of the Bible. He's just all over the place and he jumps around and he moves around, but it's with purpose. And aren't you thankful that if you have ADHD, God can still use you, right? You're looking at him right now and I'm thankful for that. It's everything in my being not to just, you know, be distracted while I'm preaching. Jeanette knows that. And so... uh, and so God uses so many different people in different ways, and that's what he does here. And so Peter, even though his, sometimes his thought process jumps around a little bit, it is with a purpose. And I believe that this chapter, chapter 5, our last chapter of the book, is uh, very specific in what he's trying to get across to us as he talks about the importance of spiritual leadership now in persecution. So he's been talking about the way that we as believers and followers of Christ uh, pursue, uh, pursue after God and how we walk through difficulties and trials However, now he's going to talk about the subject of leadership and persecution. Because i got to tell you, church, in times of persecution and in times of trial, it demands that the church, the followers of God, have adequate spiritual leadership. It is imperative, not only in times of peace, but in times of difficulty, that we have leadership that is going to take us where we need to go. Remember, as we saw last week, if judgment is going to come first to God's house, then for sure God's house needs to be kept in order, or it will fall. And I believe that's why Peter transitions here in chapter 5, and he writes this unique message to the leaders of the church, and he does it to encourage us to continue to do our work faithfully. 
You know, the Bible's very clear that leaders that run away, that hide, that take off in times of trial and difficulty are not actually fit to be true shepherds. In fact, Scripture calls them hirelings. In John chapter 10, verse 12 through 14, Jesus, speaking of this, he says, but he that is a hireling, that's somebody that's been hired to do a job, he says, so he that is a hireling and not the shepherd, whose own sheep are not, he sees the wolf cometh, and he leaveth the sheep, and he fleeth, he runs away. And the wolf catches them and scatters the sheep. Uh, the hireling fleeth because he is a hireling. Notice that he flees just because he's hired. He's only there for a paycheck. Therefore, he runs, he flees, and he cares not for the sheep. And then Jesus, of course, wraps it all up, being the perfect example of what a shepherd is. He says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and am known of mine. Now, in the New Testament, just to give us some baseline for what we're going to get into today, in the New Testament, we know that there was a structure of leadership that was established in the local assemblies. That's the word ecclesia. That means a called out assembly. So there was some leadership structure that was developed, of course, uh, throughout the New Testament. There's different words that are used uh, for these men that are in the roles of pastor and deacons. And there's several different words, and we're going to see them here in our passage today. There's the word, of course, pastor, which we are familiar with that. That means shepherd, in fact, and we're going to cover that here in a few minutes. But there's also the word elder that is used. The word elder is a word uh, that means uh, pastor as well. It is a word that means spiritually mature. Now, of course, we look at it, if we look back in the Old Testament, there were the elders, and that was really almost exclusively just because of age. Some of you come from cultures, you know, where if you're just, as soon as you cross over 40, you get respect, you know, or, or 45, whatever the age limit is, and there's a certain respect just because you're older, which of course you and I know that just because somebody's older doesn't mean they're actually worthy of respect, right? Uh, and sometimes that can be abused, certainly. And, and in the Old Testament, that was really the focus. But as we move into the New Testament, this idea of elder really begins to encapsulate somebody who is spiritually mature. So there's a real maturity about them. It's not just, hey, I'm older than you better do what I tell you. No, there's a maturity, there's life experience, uh, there's a testimony of following after God. And so within the church, there's the idea of elders, these spiritually mature people that are set apart. And then another word that's used is bishop. And of course, it's my favorite word for pastor, bishop, because I really would like for you guys to call me bishop. Bishop P.J. Connor. I think that would be kind of cool, right? Use my initials. No? Okay, I think that would be cool. (laughs) But bishop is one of those words that uh, that is used, and bishop means overseer. Now, what's interesting is that in the New Testament, all three of these words are used interchangeably. In fact, in some passages, we see all of them used in the same passage. So there's the elder, there's the bishop, there's the pastor. These all really come together to define the office of what today we would mean the pastor, the shepherd. Of course, we know that there are deacons, there's other leadership roles, there's people that can be mature in the faith and in leadership positions. We know that not one man alone, uh, one person alone carries within them all of the spiritual gifts necessary to lead a church. And so I'm very thankful for our church and our voted on, set apart leadership team of five men of whom only one is here today. I just want to point that out. The day we're talking about leadership, there's one. Okay. So he's taking a lot of notes, I know. (laughs) I figured, are you texting them? He's live tweeting this message right now. I'm joking. They're on live stream. Some of them are sick and on traveling. It's all good. Uh, I just felt like I needed to bring that up. But we have this group of leadership that our church family has voted on and put us there, and they keep me accountable. We work together on all of these things, of course. 
But this is the structure that was established in the New Testament, and this is the structure that would have been in place as these believers were scattered to the far regions of the Roman Empire, and they then would have put in place these leadership structures for these churches that would have been planted all around. And now that they're in a time of persecution, Peter puts his attention on leadership because he says, listen, if there's persecution coming and trials coming, then the leadership must most certainly be at their very best when those fiery trials are to come. See, in times of difficulty, the church, the flock, looks to their leadership for encouragement and direction, and Peter is going to give us here some qualities of what make a successful pastor, what makes a successful spiritual leader. And I want to really just emphasize here real quickly at the beginning of the message for all of us that, listen, this is an important thing. It's an important thing. And it's important for us Not only for you to sit there and look at pastor and be like, yeah, you better be listening to what you're preaching today, pastor, right? Not only for that, that's important, and I am, believe me, I am, but also for you to understand the biblical grounds for leadership, the biblical roles that are put in place, so that you know what you should be looking for in your pastor and in your leadership team, and most of all, how you can support them as they are trying to follow God and lead our church family. I believe this is a critical passage for us as a local church because it's a reminder of the serious responsibility that we have to have leadership that is firmly grounded in the word. And so this message today is for those of you that are in leadership within our church, and there's so many of you that serve in leadership roles all throughout our church. And so this is for you today. Specifically, of course, we know primarily this is a message for the pastor, so I'm just preaching to myself. You guys are just watching watching me preach to myself today. There might be some tears. I just want you to know, so prepare yourself for that. But I'm preaching to myself today, but also I would say this is a message for anyone who would desire to be in spiritual leadership one day. And there may be that there are some of you that God is doing a work in your heart, that God maybe placed something there maybe years ago a desire to serve the Lord in an area of leadership. And so this message is for you as well, and I hope that you'll be following along. But as we move into the passage, let's come to our first point, which is simply the reality. Let's look at the reality in verse number one. And Peter says here, he says, the elders which are among you, I exhort. He says, I am encouraging you this, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. So here he begins his passage with a reminder of the fact that Peter is not writing to us from a disconnected position. He's not some guy who has no experience just telling everybody what to do. No, he himself is also a mature elder. He was a leader of a local church. Of course, he recognizes here that uh, he was an eyewitness to the sufferings of Christ. He was somebody who partook, meaning he experienced just a small taste of the revealed glory of God as he ascended into heaven. Think about that. He had just that little bit of a taste of the revealed glory of God. And so based on that authority, based on the fact that he has experienced, based on the fact that he also is an elder, he is writing to us and he's saying, I am now exhorting you from a position of authority. And that's why this is so important, this first verse here, because it reminds us of the authority that he is giving to us and he is speaking to us from But here's one thing that I love about this, is that he's speaking about not only the requirements for a leader, but he's saying, these are the same things that I have done. Now think about that for a moment. To be a leader today in 2022 means that you have the same calling and the same purpose that the Apostle Peter had. How cool is that? How how much of a responsibility is that? That God would choose to put a person into a situation where they had the same calling and experience and purpose as one of the disciples. That's pretty incredible. It's very sobering for those that are in leadership to be reminded of that fact. 
And so he has authority. It is something that we can relate to. And this is the reality here is that there are structures of leadership that God puts in place. And so this is the reality that he's speaking about. But now we see the responsibility in verse number two and three. He says here, feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples. That's examples to the flock. Now, I want to note something for us here right at the very outset, that the word that is translated feed here, where it says feed the flock of God, it is a unique word that is also translated as pomeneo, which also means pastor or shepherd. So later on when we see the term shepherd or we see the term pastor, it's actually the exact same word. And so what he's essentially saying to us here right at the very outset is he is saying, listen, as an elder, someone who is in that position of leadership and authority, your first responsibility is to shepherd, care for the flock of God. Now here's what I want you to notice. It's not the shepherd's flock, first of all. It is not the leader's flock. Whose flock is it? It's God's. It's God's. Now, we're not going to take the time today to go all into the background of the idea of shepherding and sheep and uh, what that means and why God uses that analogy to to describe the local church body. There's a lot of really unique uh, aspects to that. But I think we understand that this is used all throughout Scripture. And here he's applying it to the local church where there is a shepherd, an under-shepherd under Christ, of course. He is the great shepherd. And then we have the flock, we have the sheep, which would be the people of the congregation. And the pastor is to be the one who is caring for, he is responsible to care for the flock. He is to look after them, he is to uh, come alongside of them. And so every single minister, every single pastor is important, and a church without a pastor is in a difficult situation. Some of you have been in situations like that, where you've had a church and maybe you've gone a year or a year and a half or six without a pastor, and it's difficult. And the reason is because God has placed these aspects in order. God has placed them in order, and so we need to remember that. And so he says, though, that the pastor ultimately is to be shepherding the flock of God. Now, of course, this would include primarily the spiritual exercise of preaching and teaching the word of God. But not only that, it would involve the general care and the protection of the people that have been entrusted to the leader. And this is done in a couple of ways. It's done, first of all, through my personal ministry and our leadership's personal ministry. But it's also through giving oversight to other mature leaders, ministries, and of course just the, lo- the business of the local church. Now if you remember in Acts chapter number 6, do you remember, remember back there where uh, the church was just sort of getting started and there was a problem that arose with the widows. Do you remember that? And there was a problem with widows not being taken care of. And so... Through that process, we see this election, some people say the election of the first deacons or helpers there within the church family, and the reason for it was in Acts 6 verse 4, because the disciples said, our main focus is, notice here, to give ourselves continually to prayer and the ministry of the word. So that's the primary focus of the shepherd, of the pastor, is the care, uh, or is the care, of course, of the church, but to, to prayer and the ministry, the preaching of the word. That is the primary role the feeding and care of the flock, and the best way to do that is through the regular, spirit-filled preaching and teaching to the congregation. This is the primary responsibility. I just want you to know, this is my primary responsibility as a pastor here at City Baptist to make sure that uh, there is regular, proper, biblical preaching and teaching every single week. That is the, the best way, really, that the pastor can lead. There's so many other areas of service 
that others get involved in, but this is the primary responsibility of the pastor. But I want you to notice in the verses we continue. You're to shepherd, you're to give oversight. That's the idea of management, of, of everything that's kind of going on. But notice here, as the verse continues, we, th- we see here three negative and then three positive statements as to how the shepherding is to happen. So this is what I love about God. He doesn't just say, this is what you need to do, figure it out. <laughs> he says, this is what you need to do, and here's how you need to do it. Because God always speaks to the heart, doesn't he? He cares more about our motives. We talked about this last Wednesday in our midweek time together, where God cares about our motives. He cares about our heart. And so now we see here, he says that you are to feed the flock of God, taking the oversight thereof. And then he says this, not by constraint, but willingly. This is the first of negative and then positive aspects of how the shepherding is to happen. The first one there, of course, is not by constraint, but willingly. What does that mean? Well, what it means is that the pastor should shepherd the heart uh, the church, sorry, shepherd the church from a willing heart, not in a grudging way, not in like, oh, great, it's Sunday. <laughs> I guess I got to go. Uh, you know, somebody calls me. I guess I have to answer it because I'm the pastor. I guess I got to talk to Steve again. You know, I'm kidding. <laughs> you never call me, Steve. You should call me sometime. That'd be good. That's not what I'm, that's, that's what it means. He says, not in a grudging way, like, oh, I just have to do this thing. It's not forced but you should serve from a joyful desire to serve from a heart of love for the Lord. Now, this is the challenge to those that are in leadership. You know, the difficulties and hardship of leading that do come often bring you to a place where you struggle to serve with joy. And frankly, there are some times where you have to force yourself to get up and to serve. But that should not be the norm. Does that make sense? It should not be the norm. And as a a church who desires to have a healthy pastor, that's one of the things that you need to really assess and really you can pray for me about and pray for our leadership about, that they would serve, that we would serve the Lord with joy from a heart of love for him, not a forced, not a forced uh, uh, work. Because it can be very draining, it can be very difficult. And so the first one here, he says, don't serve by constraint, but serve in a willing way. I would also say this, if you're a person who desires to lead and serve the Lord, listen, it has to be the desire of your heart. It has to be legit in your heart that you want to serve God, that you willingly put yourself in that position of leadership and willingly put yourself in a place where you serve other people. Second one that we see here, he says, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. This is interesting. Not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. Now, there's two words that dominate this verse here. There's filthy lucre, and that's actually one word, and then there's also a ready mind. Now, the reason they dominate is because they actually have similar connotations in the original languages as to how they are expressed. Let's talk about filthy lucre first, because some of you are like, oh, man, filthy lucre. Like, that word just makes it sound really, really bad, right? Some filthy lucre. Okay, what, is that? what does that mean? What does that mean? Some of your parents said to you, you have a filthy mouth, right? No? Okay. My mom said that to me sometimes. And then she would wash my mouth out with soap. Anybody experience that? Oh, nothing like a bar of ivory soap right down the... It wasn't child abuse back then, so it's all good. All right. Does that make you uncomfortable? Okay. So Steve says yes. All right, great. Okay, here we go. Filthy lucre. Let's get back on point. What does filthy lucre mean? It means an eagerness to be rich, basically, is what it means. It means an eagerness for wealth. 
It means a strong desire to, be, uh, to have wealth. And in this context, the idea is looking at the church as a place to basically get rich. Uh, looking at the local congregation as a place that you can, and, and the idea of filthy in there is actually of it, dishonest gain, of actually uh, doing criminal things in order to build up yourself financially. And so he says here that you're not to serve for a paycheck. You are not to serve, if, if, if your job, if you are a pastor because you think it's an easy paycheck, uh, you're in the wrong business in the wrong business. And I'll say this, if you're in a good church and you're in it to get rich, you're in the wrong place as well. Because that's not what it's about. That's not what it's about. Now, I, I recognize that when you talk about the subject of a church's responsibility to care for their pastor, which by the way, that is a responsibility that the local church has to care for their pastor. I realize that it's kind of odd uh, to talk about, and for me, it's not super uh, comfortable for me to talk about it, and I'm thankful our leadership team deals with all of those kind of things. But we do need to remember that there are instructions given to the church about caring for their pastor. Uh, Paul talked about it in 1 Timothy where he said this. He said, let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor. Double honor. He says, if, you, if a person that rules well, they should be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. He's speaking about the leaders of the church. For the scripture saith, thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn. That's the idea of the one that's working in the word. You should not uh, muzzle them. And the laborer is worthy of his reward. The point is this, church, is that we should be willing as a church to make sure that we help protect our leadership from temptations of filthy lucre by making sure that they're taken care of and not stressed about their finances. You know what the quickest way to become guilty of filthy lucre is? <laughs> What's the quickest way to get greedy? is to have need, isn't it? To have a need. You guys all know what it's like to have a financial need and how that just consumes you, consumes everything about you. And sadly, many churches, the pastor is barely making it paycheck to paycheck if he's even getting one. He's working a second job, he's struggling, and the church wants to make sure their pastor stays poor. <laughs> and so I've, I've heard of churches even saying that, we wanna keep you poor, pastor that he's so stressed about it, and then so much temptation comes out of that. Now, it's obviously the pastor's job to keep his heart right, okay? Not blaming the church for that. The pastor has to keep his heart right, but the point is, is that if you're gonna be in a position of leadership, your, jo your, 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 your focus is not all about getting rich and getting wealthy from it. You're serving the Lord from a heart of love, and you're not driven by financial goals. Rather, you should have, notice there in the verse, it says here uh, that you should have a ready mind. Now, I said that filthy lucre and ready mind actually are connected, and the reason is it's the idea of an eagerness, an eagerness. So that means there's a strong drive and a strong desire to be the shepherd, to serve the Lord, meaning, and that speaks to your calling to be in that position. And so he says here that you should do it willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. And then the last negative and then positive is this, neither is being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples, as examples, to the flock. What does that mean? It means not by force, but as an example. Very simply, leadership, spiritual leaders and pastors should lead by example, not by force, not by intimidation, not by coercion, and not by guilting the church family. The leaders should be literally the embodiment of the vision of the church, leading the way by their example. 
Uh, Jesus said it best in Mark 10, 42. Jesus, he called to them and he saith unto them, you know that they which are accounted to rule over the Gentiles exercise lordship over them. Now think about that. And here Peter is saying, he's remembering this, maybe what the Lord said, is that to be a lord over people is what the Gentiles do. Those that are without Christ. They dominate one another. It's all about climbing over other people to get what you want to achieve. He says, no, no. He says, that's what the Gentiles, they exercise lordship, and their great ones exercise authority upon them. But so shall it not be among you, but whosoever will be great among you shall be your minister. And whosoever of you will be the chiefest shall be servant of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Now, this is the responsibility of the leaders. This is what you should be looking for in a leader, that they're not dominating and forcing and intimidating people, but they are serving as an example. And I want to tell you, this is what you should be praying for as a church family. You should be encouraging your leadership uh, as you pray for God's strength in their lives as they serve the Lord in leadership. And so he says, you should be leading, but this is how you are to lead. And it's some pretty challenging stuff. It's some pretty challenging stuff. Do you know why it's challenging? Because I recognize my own failure in these areas. I recognize that in our leadership, our leadership, if we got them up here, they would say, I recognize that I've failed in these areas. I failed. I struggle in this. And these are, and Peter is so on point. And that's what I love about him. When he says that I was an elder, he understands the challenges. And he says, listen, these are areas of temptation. These are areas of struggle that are going to come into your life that you have to be very, very aware of. And so as a church, we need to be praying and encouraging our leadership in these areas. And so that's the reality. That's the responsibility for spiritual leadership. But notice here, lastly, we see a reward, the reward. Now, this is really great. Thankfully, he didn't just leave us all hanging right there. He, he's like, it's going to be rough. Good night. You know, he leaves us with a reward. Look at verse 4. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. I love this. The amazing thing here is that the labor of the shepherd, with all of the challenges that come with it, lead ultimately to a reward from the creator of the universe. Think about that. With all of the challenges that are out there, it will lead to a reward from the creator of the universe. Here in this verse, what do we see? We see there's a reward uh, for leadership, there's reward, and it's a crown of glory that never fades away. A couple things I want to note out of this. First of all, Jesus Christ is the chief shepherd and he's going to appear. You notice that? Look what it says. And when the chief shepherd shall, that means he will appear. This is, again, a throwback to chapter 4 where he talks about the return of Christ and the fact that Jesus is coming again. And so he calls Jesus the chief shepherd. He is the, the shepherd overall, and he is going to return to earth. And here's the idea. Nothing's going to stop his return. He's going to come back, and when he does come back, he is going to reward his ministers. Now, Jesus is often referred to as a shepherd in Scripture. We know this. We've referenced it. He's the good shepherd who died for the sheep in John 10. He's the great shepherd who lives uh, for the sheep in Hebrews 13. And now here we see him as the chief shepherd, the top shepherd who comes for the sheep. And as the chief shepherd, here's the cool thing. He is the only one who can assess someone's ministry and give to them the proper reward. Now, there's a lot of different crowns that are mentioned. Here he says they'll receive a crown of glory. The crown here that Peter uses is, he's in Rome, it's the athlete's crown. And we always think about, oh, in Rome, you know, in the, the Olympics and all this stuff, when they would do this, they would give out these crowns. Sometimes they would be gold, but oftentimes all it was was just leaves. That's all it was. And so if it's just a, a crown of leaves, sure, it'd be cool on the day, and sure, everyone would be like, wow, great job, they see you walking around town for a couple days, but eventually it's going gonna, it's gonna to fade away. 
And eventually it's just going to sort of wilt and die. But here we see that the faithful pastor's crown, the faithful leader's crown, is a crown of glory and it will never fade away. It is a reward for an inheritance and it will never fade away. And that's pretty amazing. That's pretty awesome. And there's a special crown for those that are in spiritual leadership. Now listen, today there's a lot of reasons that people may want to enter ministry. For many And for some, they enter into it with maybe the purest of intentions. But as the trials and challenges of leading come along, sadly, it sometimes becomes more about a personal empire than anything else. And it's sad. And you guys know, I mean, you guys understand, there's, whenever some major leader falls or, you know, someone who's who's really prominent, uh, you know, gets caught in some sort of scandal, it makes the news and it's, it's a big deal. And maybe someone who started out with great intentions, gave into some of these temptations that come along. Maybe they just simply were filled up with pride. Their focus was more about their, you know, online following than anything else. The point is, though, is that all of those things will fade away one day. And the only reward that we ought to strive for is well done. That's the only thing we should strive for. Hearing from our Savior, well done. Somebody once said that everything in the local church rises and falls with leadership. And no matter how small our church is, no matter how big our church is, our leaders must be people that, first of all, are followers of Christ themselves, that have a vital, vibrant, growing relationship with Jesus Christ, a concern for the people, and a real desire to please Jesus. And so for us as a church, it's critical for us that we have healthy leadership, healthy spiritual leadership that is serving for the right reasons. And so I want to challenge you with this today. If you are one of those people that desire to serve here at City Baptist in an area of spiritual leadership, this passage right here is a great place to start. It's a good place for you to sort of begin to understand what it means. And if you are in leadership here at City Baptist, I would encourage you with this. This is where you need to be. This is where you need to evaluate your heart. But the big lesson that I have for us today, and I realize these messages are unique and they're sometimes kind of just just one-off within a series that are very specific to the leadership or specific to the pastor. Uh, I'm not going to skip over them. We're going to preach them. But the big lesson, I think, for us as a a church family collectively, for those of you that are out there and you say, hey, I'm I'm not a pastor. God hasn't called me to be a pastor. I haven't been called to put in that position of leadership. Here's what I want to encourage you with today. Would you pray for us? That's what I want to make it about today. Would you pray for us? Would you pray that God would protect the leadership of our church family? Some of you have come from places where there was a struggle or a difficulty or maybe someone had to step away. And you know the challenges that come with that. And so I want to ask you to pray. Pray for your pastor. Pray for your leadership. That we would follow the direction of the word of God. That we would be who God wants us to be so that we can lead and shepherd and care for you, the flock, in the best possible way. That's the element of a healthy church. That's the element of a a healthy environment, of a healthy community that's growing and able to move forward and honestly reach more people with the gospel and, and care for people in a better way and really make a greater difference in our community. And so I want to ask you to please be in prayer for us, that God would strengthen us and that God would give us willing and faithful hearts And he'd protect us from the attacks of our enemy because they come fast and furious. They come fast and furious. 
And so would you pray for that for us? You know, Peter, I think, um, I think he nailed it here. He's like, there's trials, there's persecution. We need to walk with joy. And hey, let me, let me put aside a few moments and talk about the responsibilities of the spiritual leader. Now, he doesn't leave all of us with a get out of jail free card. Because next week, we're gonna look at the responsibilities of the sheep, <laughs> the responsibilities of the flock and what that looks like in connection to what we just talked about today. And so next week, we'll unpack that and see how that relationship develops between us. But for today, the focus is on spiritual leadership, on leaders in the church family. So I wanna ask you, would you pray for us? If that's a desire that God's placed in your heart, would you seriously consider what that means, what it looks like? It is not something you just go into haphazardly. It's a serious responsibility and a calling of God in your life. We hope that today's message was a help to your relationship with God. To stay connected with us, you can like us on Facebook or give us a follow on Instagram at Van City Baptist. Our prayer is that God will uniquely bless and grow you as you pursue His will for your life.